Hello and welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience within the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. Hosted by various members of our Big Dog team, we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition and care, training and regular Ask a Vet segments. Thank you for tuning in, get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. Welcome to Pause and Listen. My name is Johnny Manning. I'll be your host for Pause and Listen, the Big Dog Pet Foods official podcast moving forward for the foreseeable future. And I'm here today with founder of Big Dog Pet Foods and managing director and doyen of all things raw feeding, Mr. Chris Essex. Good afternoon, Chris. I think it might have been. It's still morning, Chris. Morning, John. How are you, mate? I'm doing really, really well. Just... uh, for people listening, my background is I'm, I was formerly national sales manager here at Big Dog Pet Foods, but I was let go in, I guess, sensational circumstances. Chris, why did you fire me? Well, your title had sales in it and you just weren't producing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Good answer. Good answer. Chris, you've done a couple of these podcasts and we're moving through different kinds of topics today. I think the topic that we want to touch on is uh, homemade feeding and DIY raw feeding as well. How much do you see of that out there in the market now? People humanizing their pets, which we all do, mm-hmm. but then making their food and preparing the pet's food almost like they're preparing a human's meal. Yep. I I would, from a percentage point of view, I would work around the 50%. I think people are still making their own their own dog food at home um, and, and in a good way too because they're trying to, to learn more, they're trying to balance it more. There's a lot more understanding out there for, for the DIYs, but um, yeah, it, it's definitely up around the 50% mark. That's what, for sure. What's driven that? I mean, when I grew up, you fed the dog dog food or what you were eating, or if you ran out, you might have given it some um, Vitabrits and milk and things like that. What's driven this whole change into people taking a lot more interest into what they feed their, their pets? Well, what you were doing, you were you were a DIY as well, weren't you? Yeah. DIY, sorry, you you were feeding the dog your, your own sort of diets and whatnot. So it's always been out there. I think uh, the introduction of pre-made diets and um, a lot more information with books, internet, whatnot, teaching people, educating people a bit more on how they could just balance it out a bit more um, certainly has helped. But um, also into Introduction of processed foods has certainly, um, you know, well, I think the first dry food was made in 1850 and from there it's just uh, continued to be part of the, part of what's available for, for dogs. You said the first dried dog food mm-hmm. commercially manufactured yep. was made in what year? 1850. 1850? Yep. So, you know, that's before Queensland was actually a state. We were part of New South Wales. Up until 1859, so that's how long ago yep. that was made. Where was that made in, in England? England, and how, how was it done? Without knowing the full story, but very quickly, um, I forget the gentleman's name, but the dog food was named after him. What he saw, he was on the, the docks when the ships came in, all the sailors came back in. They'd throw all their stuff over the side of the on the wharf there, yeah. like the stuff they didn't eat, and then be a lot of the cereal base and that sort of stuff. That was just thrown over. Maybe it's gone mouldy. I don't know. 
Yeah. But they were throwing all that stuff over the side, and then he saw these dogs just running in and eating this, this, this stuff that was being thrown over the side. So, when I say over the side, not on the water, no, I mean, yeah. on the other side. <laughs> so he decides to monetize. That well, correct. He what he's seeing. Yeah, he sees the dogs. They're hooking into this product, and they go, "Well, this is kind of a waste." Yeah. This, this stuff that they're throwing out, stuff they didn't want. So, yeah. bang! All of a sudden, you've got these dry bickies that he um, he formulated, uh, and they're very basic. I mean, it's just basic flour, bit of salt, sugar, and and that was the first dog biscuit. So he sees that opportunity. Fast forward 148, 149 years. Yeah, you're working in uh, small goods, and that as a qualified food scientist. Yep. You then, I, I guess, you become aware of the evolutionary diet for. Pets, or how does that then morph into you developing your um, your business and big dog moving forward? Oh, yeah, food science background, and then I was in the small goods game for seven years. Um, but I was approached originally to make this raw diet for dogs. There have been books written about it. Yeah. Um, I read about it, loved it. It was natural. Um, you know, it, it was for for the dogs and cats out there, and um, you know, I was young and I wanted to start my own business anyway. So I thought it was a perfect opportunity. Everything just came together, so that that was probably what gave me the hunger to to go on and have a crack at this new diet. Yep, which was called the bath diet, and that presented its own challenges. Yeah, <laughs> talking to people about bath. Yep. So you, you call it the evolutionary diet these days? Is that what the, I guess? Well, the, it goes the by a number of names. Yeah. yeah. What are the other names? Bath diet, ancestral diet, evolutionary yeah. diet. Yeah. yeah. There's a number. Of so when you first explained the evolutionary diet to me, I was very unaware of it all those years ago, but it makes complete sense. So explain that to me again, in, in you know, as if you're explaining it to a group of ch- school children, the evolutionary or the ancestral diet. What does it mean? Well, I think the easiest way to, to discuss our diets is what we do is we just mimic a wild dog's diet. How do you do that? So wild dogs diet, you know, they'll go and catch something, kill it, eat it. Um, and then the components of, of that animal is eaten. And normally the first the first uh, port of fall is the, the offal because it's so nutrient-dense um, and they just they just know that that's, that's what they need to be eating. Um, so they'll go for the offal. It's a bit of the muscle meat, a bit of, bit of bone. And then um, not so much the stomach contents of the smaller animals they will, but the bigger ones not not necessarily so. But they are still getting some of that that um, stomach content, which will have you know fermented vegetables and fruit, depending on what the animal's eating, grass, um, and then that's been inoculated with its own its own form of probiotics, we could say, as well. So then that gets consumed and that gets passed on to the animal that's just caught and eaten it. Oh, are they going to gnaw on the bones a little bit, maybe? Or yeah, they do. Um, I don't know if you go into the the wolves, you, you'll see that the um, the alpha dog he gets to eat first, and they normally get the the offal content. They get you know, to choose whatever they want, and then the, the lowest rank will then come in last, and there might be a little bit of a meaty bone, and that's yeah. pretty well all they get. So yes, definitely they'll be they'll be gnawing on the bone. So it brings up a pretty interesting point. We we can safely assume that instinctively these dogs and cats know how to eat well instinctively so if left to their own devices out in the wild yep. they will eat exactly what they need if you said they if the the yep. offal is nutrient dense yep. and they go straight for the offal they know what they're doing instinctively yep so are we then to i guess assume that the majority of issues 
our pets have come from us. Um, I wouldn't say assume. I'd say definitely. Okay, it's coming from from humans. Uh, you know, there there's obviously some challenge they have out in the wild, other predators or, or whatever else. You know, that, but that's, that's more natural. survival of the fittest Correct. rather than an opportunity to eat the right stuff. Correct. Correct. So it, it's definitely coming from them. And what you can do is you can let, let's say the 1850 so when we first started the processed food, and you watch. Um, the decline of animal health, let's say dogs, um, their animal health uh, since 1850, yeah. and the increase of you know autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc., which really is replicating that same path as what human beings are on. Right, if that makes sense. So our auto our autoimmune diseases are on the increase, and if, and if you had that graphed, and then you had the dogs as well, and their autoimmune um, disease being on the increase, they pretty pretty well match line for line. There's plenty of data out there. Yeah, right. that will show that. Yeah. Okay, so which makes sense because we think we're eating the right thing or we're eating poorly or whatever it may be. Our dogs have also been converted in a way to eat poorly. Okay, but if we then change it down this line of you know raw food, the evolutionary diet, we can potentially reverse or or at least stall. A lot of those issues that the animals are having, and if you do it from a oh, puppy, then yeah, you're, you're starting from a much better base, right? Hundred percent. It, it just depends on how far down that line, unfortunately, that animal uh, uh, is exposed to, or you know, what what level of cancer or whatever it may be. But if it's only in the beginning, yeah, we can certainly turn that around, hundred percent. But you're never going to get um, it's like cancer, right? Cancer, we can slow it down. Very, very hard to make it disappear yeah, yeah. But, but i mean i remember when i was working here we'd get uh, messages through on the socials on the website saying hey my dog has or my dog has had this skin issue for forever and a day i changed the sensitive skin you know within a really short period mm-hmm. the skin condition was gone so we, the, the proof is kind of in the pudding in that sense isn't it yep we get testimonials every week we still do you know people thanking us and even to the point where Unfortunately, some pet parents have taken their, their pets to the to professionals and their recommendation is to euthanize the pet, but they don't, they come back, they totally change what they're doing, especially from the feeding point of view. Yeah. Um, they go to a raw diet and you know, they can't thank us enough that their dog's now happy as, and, you know, they've, they've got these another, another couple of years with their dog or whatever it may be, or, or some of them are still going. Yeah. So, you know, it, that's, that's the power of nutrition. Absolutely, and and when you, you start looking at what the dogs should be eating, you know it just makes sense our diets. Well, before we delve into the, the DIY stuff, mate, you, you did say changing the diet, so it's important that we touch on if if an animal is on a or a dog is on a all um, dry food diet, then change it to a raw food diet. What's the process they should follow there? Because obviously their their composition of their stomach is different. Yeah, within both the diets. pH. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, it, it does start there with the gut, and uh, some dogs, some dogs can transition across quite quickly. Um, we would prefer that it's a slow transition, just to make sure that they don't get any t- tummy upsets or anything like that. It's um, so the girls do a great job. Our marketing team with educating and putting that. In. And as I said, we, we work on a two week program. So first of all, it might be a uh, an eighty twenty blend, eighty of their, their kibble and twenty of the raw. Um, 
for a couple of days and then you monitor the stools, make sure the dog's comfortable and there's, there's no real obvious issues. And then if you're comfortable with that, then you can start dropping it down and, and changing those those ratios. And then you might go to a 60-40, 50-50, and then you're going the other way then. And two, uh, two weeks later, you're actually 100% on the rule. Yeah. Now that's really kind to the dog's tummy. Um, their pH is changing so they can digest much more efficiently as well. Um, and then after that, the body starts responding a little bit differently as well. And all that nutrition from a raw diet is um, is available and digestible. So then that's when we start seeing the benefits come out in our foods because they're digesting it properly. Right? So you're getting all those natural proteins and the balanced proteins, you're getting the good fats, the omegas, you get antioxidants, bioflavonoids, you're getting all this great stuff. Yeah, because that dog, changes that. Their, their stomach has the ability to absorb everything they possibly can. Absorb everything, they can digest <laughs> it properly. Uh, their gut microbiome is changing yeah. as well. So that's a, that's assisting with the, the digestion uh, and the and absorbing those nutrients. You know, it, it's just, uh, it's a synergistic effect of, of everything going on internally. Yeah. And as I said, normally it, it'll take two weeks till we start seeing the result. Um, but that might just be energy, immediate energy. Because you imagine if you're, you're sitting around eating a highly processed diet yeah, um, day in, day out, and I refer to it as, as cereal yeah um and if you look at the ingredients on a cereal box and then on some of the processed diets there's not much difference there yeah so you imagine sitting down and having cereal for morning lunch and breakfast and you you think about how you're going to feel Jerry after a couple of days Jerry, <laughs> <laughs> you, you you think about how you're going to feel um being on a diet like that after a couple of days yeah so no wonder the dogs go to the toilet right because that's what they get it's funny yeah you, you're mentioning them going to the toilet you're mentioning Monitoring, monitoring the dog stools. I've never been so interested in dog stools before when I started working here. Now I'm like I'm, no, I'm like a weirdo who's so vigilant at you know watching you know watching my dog stools and and then you know reviewing them and commenting on them before yeah. I dispose of them. I kind of thinks I'm a weirdo. No, you're a weirdo. You're just educated. <laughs> That's what it is. And, and the, a lot of the people that are, who understand now about the nutrition and raw feeding and that, they're just educated. They've trained themselves up to understand what a good stool looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a lot of research, as you know, actually, to work that out. But it's it's quite often the, the first thing I look at and I understand if my old boy, Frank, given he's 13 and a half now, hmm. oh, if there's something going on with the stool, that then, okay, I need to watch him a little bit more closely to see what's going on. So that's almost like my first indicator in understanding if he's healthy or not is, is what his, uh, his droppings look like. It very much is. Yeah. Yeah, the stool or, or their level of energy, you know, if something's just a little bit off, but absolutely. Still, <laughs> still, still, story. Whether they're eating or not, if, obviously if they're not eating, that's because he's an absolute gut. So he's yeah. food driven. He doesn't mind the food. And he loves it. It's like his dad. <laughs> All right, so this DIY thing that we mentioned earlier, mate, you said 50% of people are actually preparing their own food yep. for their animals. How many of them are doing it to what we would consider to be, and we use this term, complete and balanced? Because hmm. obviously that's a, a term that's has been thrown around a lot within the pet food industry. But there have been, there's been some, I guess, conjecture, and I've had conversations with you about it, about what exactly does complete and balanced mean due to the levels which, uh, you know, say if a percentage of protein that can't be found naturally, right? So how many of these people out there, uh, 50% of pet owners who are f- doing it themselves for their, for their pet food, 
and doing it to a standard what you would consider to be completely balanced? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I, I don't know. I couldn't put a percentage to it. Um, all I revert back to is I think there's more information out there. Um, and we, we try to educate the, the pet parents the best we can. Yeah. And if it's not on our product, it's, it's somebody else's product on a raw diet. I don't care. It's great. As long as the dog's on a raw diet. You yeah. Know, and there's a lot of people that will cycle through different brands. Well, fantastic. Um, because that's what that is what it, it's about is even with ours, we love our pet parents who just want to feed big dog. Yeah. Which I'm very happy about. <laughs> if they cycle through our proteins, I mean, it's great. It's good for the dog and it's certainly good from a nutrition point of view because you start exposing the dog to those different profiles. So you talk about protein, the amino acid profiles change from protein to protein. Um, you know, the level of veggies will will vary in our different diets as well. Um, you know, we, we're not just straight 10% veggie. We might be 13% in this one, we might be 14 in another one, and 11 in this one. But that's the functional difference of each of, of specific lines, right? Oh, exactly right. You know, and, and those different levels of the veggies and, and fruits that are going in yeah. are all, um, you know, they've, they've got all that nutrition. And so it's, that's what it's all about. It's changing around. And the DIYs, if they want to do it themselves, you know, getting online. Um, and I think that probably what the hardest thing I read out, in the, out there is people are very hard on themselves with doing a DIY and they're very scared to have a crack at it. Why is but, that? Well, I think... There's a bit of fear mongering going on out there. Absolutely. What, what do you mean fear mongering? Well, there's fear mongering from our professionals out there saying, so, "Don't do this. Yeah, don't, don't and, do it yourself. You get it wrong." Absolutely. And the, and the big com- big companies out there and their brands, there, there's a bit of that going on, you know, for sure. But I think, you know, there's you. It's hard to get it wrong. That was going to be my point. Surely you can't get it that wrong. You can't get it that wrong. And, and again, like. If you're, if you're basing on a, a, a meaty bone and then you're adding your lean meat and some vegetables and some offals and some superfoods if you want to, and you don't necessarily have to have it, you can really dumb it down. Just do the the, the 70 10 10 10 is what we work on. Okay, okay so, talk to me about the 70 10 10 10. Okay, so you've got... Is that the you know, amount of 10s? Add up 70, to 70 10, plus 10. 10. <laughs> and we go to 110? Yeah, we got we to 100. 100. <laughs> so 10%, you know, as a rule of thumb, 10% fruit and veg. Yeah. 10% offal content, um, 10% bone, and then that other 70% it will consist of meat. Now, when I say meat as well, it's not just muscle meat. Right? I, I will treat heart, tripe, just as, as meat heart yeah. as well. Because if you were to compare the nutritional profiles of, of meat trimmings and then tripe and heart, they're very similar, I suppose. But they'll, they'll get called offal, right? Tripe and my, and heart. My, it's not a trial. My dad grew up in the Second World War and he used to eat tripe. My dad did too. And yeah. he made me eat one one night. It was disgusting. It was horrible. Uh, white sauce. He, yeah. I, I cried. He, he would sit there and wolf this down like oh, it tomorrow and I'd be yeah, over terrible. nearly dry rich. Stink. Anyway, so it's still an awful, right? But I, we treat it as a meat. Right. And, they, and they should. If you look at nutritional profile, it's a meat. The awful component of 10% is your livers, is your kidneys. Right, okay. Okay, so they're really, they're really dense in nutrition. Got to be careful with uh, vitamin A and vitamin D more so than anything because of toxicity. Tox- but, here, but here's the thing. Right. Before you jump in. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody says you should feed 5% liver and no more than that diet. I disagree. 
because we've been feeding dogs now for 22 years. Now, sometimes in our diets, or most of the time in our diets, our, our liver or kidney component is up to 10%. Right. Not once have we ever had an issue with any of our dogs. And we've, we've gone to a number of different colonies that you, you're aware of, you know, that we've worked in very closely. And we have never had an issue with that. So this is, this is what happens out there. Is people are trying to do the right thing, but then they get worried that they're not doing the right because they'll read something and they say, you can only feed 5% liver. I disagree. You can feed 10% liver without any issues. And if you actually look at the nutrient profile, there's no way that we're going to get toxicity coming out of that. So all I'm saying is just, just it's fantastic that they're jumping across and feeding more. Yeah. First of all, and, and you know, they need to be congratulated for that because they are absolutely extending their dog's health and the longevity of their dog. But I do think they get bogged down with information from Tom. Well, a bear will eat predominantly liver and, and heart and then go and hibernate, right? That's a, so they're just going to be loaded up on, on liver. And that's them doing that instinctively because it's good for them, right? Yep. Different animals will absorb yeah. at different rates as yeah. well, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that's exactly right. Is it is is it almost like the old um, the old garlic myth, right? Because you grow up thinking, oh, I can't give a dog garlic; it's going to make. And then the studies come back and say, a, 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 what is it? A twenty kilo <laughs> dog needs to forty you know, kilo forty kilo dog needs to ingest seventy five cloves of garlic for it to become even slightly toxic. Forty six cloves. Yeah. Forty six cloves. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm so glad you, you raised that. Like, yeah, John, you know how much. Criticism we've come under in the last month of, of excluding garlic out of our diets. Oh, really? Yeah. But, you know, let's talk about it. <laughs> Please. Let's get it out there. All let's right. go. Garlic. Yeah. So, garlic, it, it's a great food for dogs. Okay. You know, very hard to for toxicity. But a lot of people are scared about it, you know, because the wrong people are educating these consumers about garlic. They're not looking at the real facts. And the same thing as what I'm saying about the offals. They're not looking at the real facts. And it is, it's a 40 kilo dog and they've got to eat 46 cloves of garlic and no dog is ever going to eat that amount. And no human is either, right? I love garlic. 46 is pushing it for me. I get it. I love garlic too because it's so good. Yeah. It's nature's antibiotic, right? We all know that. But we want to encourage people to feed raw. We don't want people to be to be scared in feeding raw. And then they've heard this thing about garlic. So then they go, you know what? Am I going to feed raw? It's got garlic in it, or am I going to stay on my kibble? I want people to go and feed raw. Yeah. And, and yes, we we decided to take the garlic out because I want I don't want people to be scared of using a, a raw diet as opposed to a highly processed diet that's that's going to affect the dog's health and their longevity. Yeah. So that's the decision why we pull garlic out of our diets because we just want people to to have that you know to to roll across and just get onto a, a raw diet. Okay. Yeah. But what I'm saying if people don't want to feed our product and there's other raw diets out that have garlic in, you shouldn't be afraid of using that product. It's actually healthier. So what is toxic? Give me, give me something that someone might put in their homemade uh, dog or cat food that you would consider to be toxic. What, what should they exclude? Oh, all the common, the common ones, you know, like avocado pits and peels and raisins and um, chocolate and all that sort of stuff. Onion. We all know that they they they're not they're not great be, just purely because they their their gut biome can't digest those things. Is that the, the major reason? No, there's toxicity that comes out of some of those things, um, in, and they affect the dog one way or another. Not yeah. all the same, yeah, but they'll affect them in, in, in something like onion within the blood and blah blah blah. So um, 
you know, just it, it's just been proven that there's different foods that come. But then some of them's been there's myths out as well. Like everybody yeah. say, can't feed your dog avocado. Not true. Avocado flesh is wonderful for your dog. Yeah, L- lovely um, source of a, of fats. Yeah, digestible fats and and really high in fiber too, which is which is wonderful. So you know, and again, we go back to the garlic or whatever it may be. It, it's just as we as we learn more and develop more on. We read more, we have more studies and um, as I said, there's just more information out there. If you start the date with all the information, you know, it's wonderful. There's all these trials going on, okay. especially in the field. So this is this is a, a question of, um, let's say I'm, I'm at home and I've pushed for time and I've got a little bit of leftover spaghetti sauce that has onion in it. Is that too much onion to give to my dog? If I give him a little bit of that? Depends on the tongue you put it in your spaghetti. Yeah, okay, so how much is too much? Well, it's a good question because I was I was going to lead into that. If, if there was a little bit of onion that felt that was in that mince and spaghetti, it's not going to hurt the dog. Yeah, you know, it, it's got it's all about the the amount that's in there and the consistency. Right. Okay. So the same with vitamin D. Yeah. Well, so I'm eating a that. massive load of of offal. Yeah. You know, livers or something. That's not going to cause vitamin D toxicity because you've had one massive meal of it. If you're continually feeding, 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 then you'll start getting this toxicity in some of these, these vitamins from vitamin D, for example. Because for humans, you're a big advocate of vitamin D. I love vitamin D. It's the, it's the number one vitamin to use. Yeah. So I'm uh, not a doctor, people. No, no, no. <laughs> no we, we, we get that. But I mean, um, I, I take 4,000 IUs every day after you telling me that's, you know, us talking about that. Yeah, I so take 8,000. You take 8,000. Mm. Well, I'll get up my game. Up you go. Um, so... But the, the, you're saying that comes from the offal is the vitamin D. So once again, well, some of it, vitamin D will come from offal, but then there's other ingredients that will have a, a small amount of vitamin D as well, like our salmon that we yeah. put in there. Yeah. So what does vitamin D toxicity look like? How does it manifest itself? Uh, that's a good question. I, I don't um, really know what it, it looks like. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, there's, you can start breaking down internally. Sure. Your organs. It starts right. affecting your and whatnot. Because it's, I mean, from a, I mean, I'm not going to digress too much, but from a human point of view, vitamin D has been in the headlines throughout the COVID scenario as being something highly that beneficial, clearly lacking in potentially levels of yep. symptomatic. Um, you know, people's feeling the COVID symptoms have been varied due to their levels of, of vitamin D. Yeah, if you look at a lot of people that suffer from autoimmune diseases, um, and the two minerals, vitamins that they uh, are lacking. Yeah. There's always vitamin D. They're always very low in vitamin D and they're always very low in magnesium. Okay. All of those autoimmune diseases. Magnesium. Mm. Like it. Um, okay. So from a, a DIY feeder at home, mm. and, you know, we spoke about, I, I guess we, we, we started talking about what a completely balanced diet looks like. If, if I'm a, a utopian DIY feeder, what does my DIY toolkit look like at home? Yep. Um, so if you're feeding bones, you, you should always feed bones uh, a couple of times a week. Very hard to go and buy crushed bone, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why. That's what we do. That's our job is to get those meaty bones, crush them for our for our pet parents out there, and put it in the product in something that's still very quite palatable and, and beneficial at the right levels. But if you want to do that, a DIY at home, you, you do need those calcium levels. The best way is crushed bone, absolutely, because it's a lot of fun for the dogs to eat a bone. They just get so much enjoyment out of it. And then also, you know, the, 
they're getting some really good nutrition depending on what sort of barn it is. Um, their obvious one is, is calcium, but then you can be getting a lot of um, a lot of other minerals coming out, but then the omega fats and that come out as well. As I said, depending on the barn. A good barn though is something that um, is relative to the size of their dog, um, and after about twenty minutes, they can consume it. So if they can't consume after twenty minutes, it's probably a bit hard. And they, they, they pull it away from you. Got to get rid of it, yeah. Because, yeah. And that probably means then that they're not digesting much much of that bone either because it's too hard. So that's just something to gnaw on. Yeah. But you really want them to be able to digest. And brisket bones are excellent, and any protein doesn't matter as long as it's raw. Um, and, and just monitor the fat levels on them and the and the meat levels. So some briskets are going to be fattier than, than other briskets. So let's say a pork brisket, I know that that's sitting in around twenty five percent. Let's look at a beef brisket. I know that's probably only thirty percent. And then you go, oh, my dog's. I've given my dog um, this brisket, and then it, it's got loose stools the next day. Where well, possibly because it's the fat content. Yeah, right. You know, it's such a it's such a change. If your your dog's normal diet is 15 percent fat, and then you go whack with 35 percent fat. Sometimes that is a byproduct of of having too much fat in their diet or one meal. You know, they get loose stools, but then it comes it comes right after that as well so people will then start getting a bit nervous about feeding raw dogs because oh my dog gets loose stools it's not true hang in there it might just be that meal yeah you know and then they will get and if you change those fat the fat content in the diets over a little bit of time they will tolerate and tolerate and then they'll get much better and you might might have that issue again or you won't have that issue again but i mean anyway back to your tool yeah right so um you know if feed bones you need some muscle meat um you need some offals and all those, all those offcuts of your your veggies and your fruit, put it in a blender or a bullet or something like that. Mush it up. Make sure it's mushy um, because that will help the dog's digestive system to really absorb it properly. Um, and just throw that all in together, and away you go. Yeah, it, it is absolutely that simple. Which is basically what you do. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That is our, our rules of, of what we do here. Is you know, seventy ten ten ten. Yeah, that that is a good guide. So we don't lean on 10 on everything and I don't want to lean on 10 on yeah. everything because it just depends on that product and it's a little bit of, um, you know, some of our raw materials are much higher in protein, some of the meats. Yeah. Um, uh, so we, we don't always have well, the same, same, same all the way through. One's higher in protein, one's a bit less, one's a bit higher in fat. And less. It's just really trying to balance it out and get it to it so it's not going to cause any digestive issues when they do change from protein to protein. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was, you know, working in the role here before I was unceremoniously relieved. My not very well. Well, yeah. not very well. Is <laughs> <laughs> but I would talk to DIY feeders, and a lot of them would just say to me, "They'd be in there buying in the shop buying a, a couple of boxes of big dog." And I said, "Look, we, you know, we'd like to do it ourselves. We also like to have your product in the freezer as well, in case we run out one night without knowing, or we, you know, we're on the hop. We can just roll out the big dog because they know what they're getting is is." quality product yep and i think a lot of that happened in covid to yeah. be perfectly honest and i i do think we, we saw that um DL was just a little bit concerned whether they could get the raw materials that they needed to to make their normal meals so they might grab a, a box of big dog as a backup and then maybe use big dog and thought you know what it's just easier okay <laughs> i'm just gonna feed big dog and then you know maybe big dog has become the stable and then from time to time, they'll make their own. Yeah. So that, so be it. Yeah. Whatever. That's our job. Yeah. Is to is to have that there for them, for and, and to use in whatever capacity they want. But yes, 
you know, we're, we're very big on making sure that it's it's completely balanced as nature intended. Complete and balanced as nature intended, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. As opposed to some other synthetic forms of complete balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, so from a, uh, I guess, a, a position of doing the DIY at home, as long as they're feeding raw, that means that we're going to have health, more healthy animals than not, right? Well, absolutely. You know? So, yeah. I mean, because you could be DIY using, you know, cooked chicken and, I don't know, whatever else. Well, but no, we, need, we need to make sure that this is a raw DIY. Yeah, D- sorry. DIY Glad we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All raw. All um, raw. Yeah, definitely cooked um, bones. But, you know, it, again, though, if, if they if they feel like they want to lightly heat their, their meals, like make it and then heat it, cook it, that's by far a more superior product than a processed bag of dry food. Right. So there's it, moisture it, content as well in there, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. You know, it, it's it's and they're still getting some form of nutrition there. Yes. Um, we'll start breaking down the nutritional levels in, in all those ingredients. You know, everybody's aware of that. You know, salad's much healthier than um bag some, chips. Something that well, something that's cooked, you yeah. know. It, it, it's there, it's raw, it, it's digestible, it's the enzymes are active, the air, everything's there. So but even a cooked DIY is much healthier as I said, than a, than a, a processed bag of chicken. Right. All right. Mm. Well, we covered the DIY thing, Chris. What else do you want to touch on? Oh well. We, again, I, I just don't want people stressing too much about yeah. DIY because it, it's a wonderful thing. If you can't get the crushed bone, um, feed bones a couple of times a week, mm-hmm. you'll be getting enough calcium coming yeah. out of that to complement the phosphorus that comes out of your boneless meat. And that, that's the ratio that's very important um, is, is your, your calcium phosphorus. Because if you get that out of, out of whack, then there are some concerns. Yeah. But again, if you're worried about that, just jump online. There's some information there and you can work it out yourself on your numbers. On, if on they're going to jump online, there. where do they go? Oh, that's a good question. There's a number of different resources yeah. and I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Tell the truth. Uh, a majority of their questions are going to get answered on the Big Dog website. That's right? stuff we yeah, absolutely yeah. You can jump on, on the Big Dog. Yeah. Um, here's a question for you. So when I feed Frank, he'll get Big Dog and he might get a couple of sardines on top or he might get a little bit of chicken on top. I mean, my ideal I want to feed him. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> he might. He might just get something on top. Well, just to, all you're doing is, is using Big Dog as your foundation. Right? Yeah. Something some other stuff on. Yeah. People can do that as well. And, and there is a lot of people that will do that with Big Dog. Yeah. They'll, they'll use our product as the, the base and then they'll throw eggs on there or they'll throw uh, spirulina or chlorella or anything else that they want, garlic if they want to. Um, all that sort of stuff is, is there in a available form, but at least we know that we've got those macros right for them and the, uh, and the minerals. Talk to me about eggs for, for a dog. Are they good? Crack an egg? Yep, we've got an excellent article on our website yep. about eggs that um, Dr. Duncan wrote. Yep. Um, it's really, really good. I mean, well, it's nature's number one food, they say, because everything's in really good levels. Yeah. You know, the proteins, your fats. Because it hasn't been messed with, right? It hasn't been messed with. It's it's near 100% rating yeah. as, as a food. So we, I refer to it as a superfood, and it just thinks it's a common egg, but it, um, it's, it's a wonderful product. 
you know, everything that your dog needs is in there. They enjoy eating it as well. So yeah. you're going to crack an egg on top of your, your big dog as well, by all means. Yeah. Even though we've got eggs in our product, um, except for our allergy range now. Yeah. But um, you can crack a, an egg on top of it. It's, it's a wonderful inclusion in dogs. I mean, and, and then um, crunch up the shell as well. Yeah, because that, that's whole that egg, right? Yeah, that, whole egg. It's, it's when you say whole egg, you're referring to the shell as well. Yeah, right? shell, and we'll just crunch it up, mix that through in the patties or whatever it is yeah. that you're feeding. Yeah. And there's another form of calcium. Yep. It's really simple. It DIY, seems, DIY is simple. Yeah. You've just got to, you've just got to be um, well, brave enough to have a go. And you can't screw it up that much, can you? You can screw it up that much. No. You know, and again, we refer to stools. Yeah. Come and have a look at your dog's stools. Yeah. And if they are coming out chalky or they're, they're straining a little bit, it's, you've probably got a little bit heavy on the bone. Right. You know, but um, so just back off on the bone and away you go. Since you started making food for animals, how much is your, I guess, I know your broader strategy and your broader philosophy would be almost identical to when you started because you're talking about evolutionary diet or ancestral diet. But what, what are the, I guess, if you were to name the three key things you've learned from when you first started looking at this evolutionary diet to now, some 20-something years later, what are the three key things that you've gone, oh, my, oh wow, throughout your journey that, that have, I guess, added to what you're doing now? For perfect? Yeah. Head for it. Well, <laughs> you can tell me your life, your life strategy as well if you want, mate. Is it, you know? Well, uh, nutrition is the key. Yeah. So uh, for pet food and for my life strategy, yeah, nutrition is the key. Um, it, it's it's evident in in our twenty two years of of manufacturing these diets. You know the benefits that we have seen um, at all levels. It's it's that's really been fantastic to see. Um, number two is probably you know we've spoken a little bit about bone. Just um, you can go too heavy. On yeah, bone. and we we were recognised as being very heavy on bone. Okay, a number of years. I know we still get people that that talk about that, but um, I think um, you know, make, making sure you get that bone level right um, it is very important for a number of reasons. Yeah, you know, just just for the dog to go to the toilet, yeah, comfortably and not strain or anything like that. Let's start there. But second of all, as I said, is that that calcium phosphorus ratio it, it is quite important, so we don't have any issues for the dogs. Um, later on, yeah. Um, and third, I think, um, I think would be the importance of not just sticking on one one protein, one flavor, cycling, cycling, cycle through your, your your flavors and your proteins, and you know, it's, it's exciting for the dog um, to have those different, you know, the different flavors and the palatabilities on. It, it keeps them interested. Some some dogs can get a bit stale. Stimulation is such a huge part of the dog's life, right? Yeah. I can remember way back when asking you, or should I just feed them the one line? So you, you said to me, do you like eating the same thing every night? Yeah. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Just to cycle through the, the range and give them something different. Absolutely. It's it's, it's very simple. Yeah. You know? And, you know, the dogs, the dogs do appreciate it. And, and so does their body. Yeah. And, you know, what? I'm going to give you a fourth one. That's Please. probably of just the, the bonus one is the info. This is the bonus. The, the information that's come out now about probiotics. Right. Yeah. You're you huge. Know. I know you're big on probiotics. I'm huge on probiotics because it all starts in the gut. You know, that that's 
you know, more and more information is telling us that it, it's all starting to go. So whatever you're putting down your dog's throat, it, it can only be complemented by probiotics. There's no negativity on it. it it's only complemented sort of thing. So it might be big dog, it might be a raw, it might be a cooked diet, it might be kibble, but probiotics is, are going to help one yeah. way or another to make that dog healthier. Okay, just just due to uh, assisting with the basic health, gut health. Yeah, from the digestibility point of view, um, you know, without without getting right into in, into probiotics, but you know the the pre, the post, and the and the probiotics, yeah. you know how they all work together, and it's referred to our gut is referred to as our second brain, and there's no the information out there is just one hundred percent. Um, accurate that it is our second brain. We're, we're seeing our, our our gut bacteria is sending messages to our brain consistently day in day out. My gut's my first brain because it controls <laughs> absolutely. So that's it's I'll absolutely see. my first brain, mate. As you can tell, I've seen you. Right, <laughs> <laughs> well, not Bobby. <laughs> I think probiotics is probably worthy of a longer chat. Yeah, we've Chris, done a couple. Yeah, we? we've so done think, a couple of. Um, yeah, we've done podcasts before, but yeah, we might need to do a refresh. Just delve delve back into it purely for my own benefit yeah. and anything else. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it's certainly an important topic, and you know that's what we're we're calling out now with our diets. Feed big dog, but it's always great to also, and we've got levels of probiotics in there as well. But it's always great to add some more probiotics, so you can never have too many. It's amazing that the more. We, uh, the pets become part of the family. We we give them human names. We let them into the house way more than we used to now. And now the, the focus is coming on how we provide the best possible nutrition for our dogs to ensure they've got a, a long life to enjoy with us. It's, it's it's I think it's great. So we should. Yeah. So we should. Absolutely. When was the last time your dog was upset with you? My, upset with me? Yeah. Oh, if I've been out for too long, you'll give me a mouthful. <laughs> you'll demand that I... Uh, Play with him, and he's he's got a unicorn at the moment. That he's that's his, he brings to me and demands that I play with him with the unicorn. So he gets over it pretty quickly. Right? Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. they got short <laughs> memories, don't they? Yeah. So I think if I uh, pulled something out for him to eat, all of a sudden his mood changes. Your best buddy. Yeah. yeah. All right, Chris. Have we touched on anything? We was there anything we've missed? Anything we need to, to touch on as far as t- today's topic? I don't know. Um, is there? Have you got any more questions, Emma? If you were a DIY and you want to know a bit more about it, I think you know. We've touched on the basics, the yeah. 70, 10, 10, yep. 10. Yep. Try to do that. Um, Ensure that the the uh, the bone content is, is quite important as well. We've touched on that as well. The awful content. The awful content. Yeah, right. And also rotating through the, the different, different proteins. Species. Yeah, yeah. so protein chicken, turkey, beef. Absolutely, including mm. the offals. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. so not just the same offals all yeah. the time as well. Just, yeah, change them up. Actually, that's just brought up a question. There's some single protein diets within your range as well. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend that for, for DIY feeders going single protein, or is that out of necessity that they do that? Um, necess- so, oh, right. so, could you mix in your, your chicken and your beef, or could you get the a beef heart and then chuck it in with some chicken and stuff like that? Oh, of course you can. Yeah, a- absolutely. That's what I'm called. that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I'd definitely do that. But if your dog. If you know your dog's um, intolerant to a certain protein, you're definitely going to be feeding that 100%. Right. Um, but uh, if you can get a, you know, on your budget as well, mm. if you can go and source some raw materials that are on sale at the butcher or somebody that you know has good quality product yeah. um, and you buy it at the right price and you buy it in bulk, well, go and, go and do that. And so that might mean that your dog's eating um, 
lamb and pork from the next two weeks yeah. because you've just got it substituting. Good on you. No problems. And what do you reckon? Do you, would you go to the butcher and say, hey, what do you got out the back that you're not using? Is that, can you do that? <laughs> I'm sure you can, but I mean, is that... Of course you can. But yeah. That's what I mean. You need to know your sources and yeah. make sure that you, you trust your sources. Yeah. You don't want what's sitting out the back there and on its way out, right? Yeah. You don't necessarily want that. Right. So as long as you've got... Um, a good supply chain, yeah, and good sources, and, and you trust them, no problems. Is there a does meat and offal have a longer shelf life for dogs than it does for humans? Um, that's a good question. Yeah. So shelf life, shelf life, we're talking about fridge life, not yeah. freezer life. Fridge life. Yeah. So definitely, it's different because we know that dogs can eat raw, humans can't. Yeah. So. You know, you get three days and, and you in the fridge a raw product and you then you, you contemplate whether you're going to cook it and use it. Three days is nothing for a, for a dog. Right. Um, you know, and yeah, it's been proven that they can they can easily tolerate raw materials that have a uh but that, that's shelf if, life has been but that's if they're on a raw diet. Right? Yeah, because of they've got the appropriate enzymes being naturally produced to to deal with that sort of situation. Yeah, but they're not immune to to bugs right. either. Yeah, you know, even the dogs that are on a processed diet. I mean, they're still getting out there. They're playing around the ground. They're, yeah, they're eating stuff off the ground and they're blah blah blah. So they're, they're not immune to it. Mm. They the the dogs that are on a processed diet just don't have as strong of an immune system. It's better equipped to get on a raw yeah. on a raw diet. Yeah, yeah, because their immune system becomes suppressed. Yeah, because they're not getting all the nutrition and they're not getting the available nutrition and it's not complete. So when we talk about proteins and then amino acids, they're, they're not getting a complete range of their amino acids and especially their essential amino acids. They're, they're, that's not present in grains. How can it be present in grains? It's just not. There's only six amino acids in there, five or six amino acids in the different types of grains, non-essential, some of them. So to, for, the, for your protein, to get to proper protein, amino acids need to all be there and present, essential and non-essential, and they work synergistically to get the best outcome. That's why they're they're trying to substitute other proteins into those right. dry foods and whatnot to try to complement it. To but even that. then, they've missed the mark. Yeah. They're still not. They're still not a complete protein. That's the scary part on on, on your dry food or whatever it may be. They might call that twenty six percent protein, but that twenty six percent protein is not complete. So the dog doesn't utilize it properly, as opposed to let's say big dog where we have a twelve or thirteen percent call out on protein, but it's complete. Yeah. So the dog's going to get much more out of a thirteen percent protein than a twenty six percent protein. That's not complete. It's quality, not quantity, in that sense. Correct. Yeah. Well, it's not digestible. Chris, good chat. We just did uh, about forty five minutes, reasonably easy. We'll uh, just look over to the producers to see if we've covered everything we needed to cover. And uh, thumbs up. Got the thumbs up. So we'll sign off. So my name's uh, Johnny Manning. I've been here with Pause and Listen. And we're talking to founder and managing director of Big Dog, Mr. Chris Essex. We covered a lot of topics here today, Chris, and I think a couple of them we can definitely delve into a little bit later on a future episode. Looking but, forward uh, to it. Until, time, until, until then, just pause and listen. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Food website. Please note that the information discussed is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. 
The information provided is not nor is intended to be substituted for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raises questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for individual assessment and advice.